so welcome to A Slice of Orange uh, about North Orange County politics. We're here today with Betty Valencia, uh, who ran for city council in Orange and is active in the Democratic Party uh, and absolutely one of my favorite guest speakers. So I'm excited to introduce her to a wider audience um, and have people outside of Orange um, get to know her a little bit more. So Betty, thank you for coming. Thank you, Jody. It's always a pleasure to be invited. So um, just if you can start with a short bio of who you are, and then later I'll ask you how you got in politics, but just a little about who you are in your community. Absolutely. My name is uh, Beatriz Valencia. Most people call me Betty. So that's why we have Betty in, in little quotations. That's uh, when I came to this country in 1978, that it was the easiest name to pronounce uh, as the English language learner. So um, that was the name that stuck. That's the name that I've used but I also go by Beatriz, so it depends who, who we're talking to. And I was born in Mexico City. I'm the last of 12 children. I have seven brothers and four sisters and a mom and dad. Everyone's alive. And uh, my parents are actually our neighbors, uh, nice. just about, about five houses down. Oh, that's amazing. Uh, and, and, you know, we came here in 1978, and I lived in Midway City. Um, I don't think a lot of people know Midway City, but uh, that's where I grew up, right, in Orange County. So ever mm -hmm. since I've been in California, I've been in Orange County. Um, and I've been in the city of Orange for many, many, many years now with my partner, my wife and my dog. Uh, and we just, you know, we're just happy here. Um, yeah. And so that's a little bit about, you know, how I grew or where I come from and uh, where I was born. And I think being the last of 12 really prepared me for some of the work <laughs> that, that I encountered in the last couple of years. Uh, yeah. Surprise if as much as anybody else, but um, there's a reason that, you know, being the last of 12 meant something. <laughs> so then how do you get involved in politics? What inspires you? What angers you? What motivates you? What What is that, you know, propelling force that got you into local politics? Yeah, that's a great question because I never thought that I was interested in politics. I, I said, no, politics is not for me, right? So we're we're yeah. sort of taught to say that, to think that, to not right. speak about politics. But all along, ever since I was a child, I would notice things, whether it be simple things like, you know, people should really have shade in, in bus, bus um, you know, stops. Uh, I would always think of it as complaining. But mm -hmm. lo and behold, it, it looked more like I was noticing discrepancies in neighborhoods, uh, in the way I was treated. Uh, when I came to this country, I lived in Midway City, as I said, uh, with my siblings. And we were the only non-English speaking um, students, along with two Korean uh, friends of ours. Mm -hmm. And the way we were treated was just uh, very traumatizing. Mm -hmm. And back then you thought, well, that must be how everybody lives. And right. so it still felt like something was was awry, right? It still felt like this seems like it's unjust. Mm -hmm. And so uh, you would mention things like, no, I'm not gonna do this. Or you would fight back, or you would say, that's not fair. So this idea that I didn't realize that politics is embedded in everything we do. And it also is part of who we are in this society. Part of our identities right. are political. Right. And so I think that I've always had the lens of equity. And so some would say you're very political. And I would just say, I just want things to be equitable. Right. And so I, I sort of take apart political and equitable. So right. I've always been equitable. I've always fought sometimes, you know, in elementary school, it got into a couple of <laughs> because of injustices. And right. so I, I was I was brought up this way. Uh, 
partly because of who I am, a Latina woman, last of 12, in a right. very, you know, patriarchal culture. Sure. And also coming in as a limited language or as an English, uh, non-English uh, speaker. So yeah. I was an immigrant now. So I'm, I'm uprooted from my home into this new home where right. I don't necessarily belong. So all this, I think, prepped me or I think it was all of this that that propelled me to run mm -hmm. for city council a few years back, but I really didn't necessarily think that I was entering politics. I felt that I was entering a space that needed more equity, that mm -hmm. needed more representation, a space that I thought was lacking perspective, that was lacking people that were prepared, and that were lacking people that kind of looked like me, sound like me, and maybe had a background like me. Mm -hmm. And so I said, well, I'm in this space and I feel like I'm an outsider. Something right, is right. wrong here. And right. I'm invested in this city. I contribute. I contribute in the society. Mm -hmm. But what is it that isn't meshing there? Where is that bridge? Why is it missing? Why is there only a few allowed on that other side of town, if you will? Right. And so that's really what propelled me, right? Um, and then, of course... Uh, the resolution that was brought forth by then the city council resolution 11074. I'll never forget it. Uh, April 10th. And I'll never forget that day, 2018. And so that resolution was really a statement against sanctuary cities, not unique to orange. We know that Huntington beach and other right. cities did the same, but the question why the question really became, why was this resolution necessary? Yeah. If it and, and for those uh, those of our listeners who don't know what that is, can you talk a little bit about it? Absolutely. So sanctuary cities, uh, really what we were thinking or looking at it, it was really quite complicated, right? But to simplify it was the idea that in your city that uh, ICE was allowed to collaborate with local authorities in order to deport individuals. Uh, in a way, it's a business. And I was just talking to somebody about this where they had beds allocated ICE had beds allocated in our county jail saying, here's how many beds we're willing to pay mm -hmm. you for. It was a business transaction on, right. the, on, on people's lives, right? And so sanctuary right. cities um, that then said, we are living in a city where we're staying out of immigration policy, that local government should be, should be concerned Sorry. about lights, cement, parking, right. you know, the things that we need to survive every day. Right that immigration law was not a local issue and that everyone in any city should feel that they can walk down the street, that they can go to the store, that their children can go to school without the fear that there'd be this, this reporting to ICE about their documented status, right. which is very separate from living a, a, a life in a city of any kind. So Sanctuary City was something that helped protect those who had no rights, those who have been manipulated, disenfranchised. Mm -hmm. So it did. It, it, it allowed for people to feel somewhat protected. And so then some cities decided, wait a minute, no, we don't want to abide by that. And so to make a statement against sanctuary cities in these cities essentially meant there is outsiders and then there's us. And right. that's really what the statement was, that unless you are one of us, then you are, you don't belong. You and guess don't what, belong. I was sitting in that seat in city council for six hours and every hateful comment that came out spewing from people that didn't even live in the city. Mm -hmm. Right. We're speaking about me as well. 
Right. And I'm not, and I might not have been born in the city of Orange, and I might not have been born in St. Joseph's, but I got here as soon as I could, <laughs> and I belong just as anybody else. So yeah. that's really what propelled me. It was that feeling of injustice, Jody, that I felt when I was here in 1978. Right. Right. It never goes away when something is wrong, when there is abuse of power, when there's discrimination, racism, and supremacy. It just propels one mm -hmm. to say no mas, no more. And yeah. that's really why I decided to run, not knowing anything about local politics, not consulting with anyone really, and just saying, this is wrong. Therefore, I'm here and I need to be there in that seat. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. and I think... Um, you know, I've listened to you talk to my students before about that moment and the idea of um, seeing the people who hold those seats. That's right. And their responses and thinking, yeah. why are they yeah. in those seats? Our representatives, right? Our representatives who are not representing us. And I think when you don't pay a lot of attention to local politics, you put people on pedestals of, you know, they're the names on the yard signs and they're the names kind of bandied about. If you pay attention at all, you hear, and then you actually see them or you attend a candidate forum and you think, I could do better than that. Yeah. I have a better answer than that. And I think it does kind of open the door to say this is accessible. Absolutely. You can be in that seat. And, and I really love the idea that at the end of that meeting, you knew you should be in the chair. That's right. That's right. And and, and, and it kind of harkens back to, you know, Shirley Chisholm of, you know, if they don't give you a seat at the table, bring a folding chair. That's right. And we'll go one further. We're going to build the new table. Because yeah. That raggedy table, it's no good anymore. We need to expand, right. right? And that's what we did in the city of Orange. We didn't just, we weren't satisfied with a table that fit five people anymore. We wanted to build that new table. Yeah. Um, table that that actually served some food that we might be interested in. <laughs> you know, the table that actually had conversations and, and, yeah. and really dialogue. And so that's what we were able to accomplish as well with our work. Um, districting came about. And if the listeners don't know what that is, in the city of Orange, uh, elections were at large, which basically meant you elected all your city councils and your mayor, the entire city of mm -hmm. 140 plus thousand people, elected five representatives to represent them. Uh, after the lawsuit came in and it was won, this year, historic numbers are going to be seen because right. we have four seats that are up. a mayor is, is uh, you know, elected a large deal, but we have now six districts. So think about that. That table that we right. were looking at has now, we just rebuild it. Right. We just said, that's not going to work. Let's rebuild this table. Right. And then we have candidates for the first time saying, maybe I too can run. Maybe right. I too can represent because you're absolutely right, Jody. When you attend these forums uh, and as a newcomer, I thought, holy cow, you know, they're going to really be prepared. They're going to know more. They're going to, they're going to just have so much knowledge uh, above us. And it turned out that we were so well prepared that most of the time we were saying, are you kidding? Right. I mean, you put any effort into this. And so it really goes to, to show that there is this, the face of the position. Right. It's very much geared toward uh, dissuading people, discouraging mm -hmm. people to run because there's this fake like image that you need to be this, that, and that. No, you need to care. 
Right. Right. That's like the first requirement. And the second one is that you understand the difference between a public servant and someone who's in there for for personal gain. Right. Mm -hmm. The idea that you run because you want to do something, not because you want to be somebody. And it turns out that we have a lot of people that want to be somebody. Right. And, you know, when we see it, when somebody runs that wants to do something, that's where you see the contrast. And that's when we Mm -hmm. start to say, wait a minute. I can do this. You can do this. And yeah. so I'm really happy this year that we have so many candidates running that said, maybe I too can do this. Yeah. And I, and I think that that idea, that symbolism of the bigger table, you know, metaphorically and, and actually, um, I think it really does embody what you and some other folks in Orange County are really trying to do, which is build a movement and a community and mentorship. You know, when I see, you know, Josh Newman mentoring new candidates and helping and, uh, you know, you really reaching out to the community. And I think with districts in particular, because they are neighborhood based. That's right. And and I have some concerns about, you know, did we just make it cheaper for independent expenditures and, you know, in Anaheim to to buy their own candidates. But but I think the the theory when it works. is that it's neighborhoods, it's communities. And so you do have to represent the people because you're going to see them at at the grocery store and you're going to see them when you walk your dog. That's right. And you can walk. And, and, you know, I love um, when you come to class in your red tennis shoes and uh, if people visit your website, they'll see your red tennies and that, that you really did kind of wear out. That's right campaigning and going door to door. And I think that, um, you know, is that what you're finding in this cycle of elections that, that candidates are really coming from those neighborhoods and representing those neighborhoods? Cause this is a big switch for a lot of cities in Orange County to go from at large, you got to educate and inform the voters. And, you know, why don't I have somebody on the ballot this time? And, and, and so what are you finding with these new candidates? So I'm finding two things, and and thank you for that question because I'm very excited about uh, a few of the candidates running in our district who are who are really about their neighborhoods. You know, this is where some of them grew up. This is where they went to school, but they never thought that they could be in that seat. And yeah. this time they're like saying, "Well, maybe I too can be." And these are young candidates, Latino candidates, right? But prepared candidates. We have mm-hmm. an engineer. We have a, a nonprofit. Uh, I think a nonprofit director running for school board. So not just city council, this expanded right. bigger, right? Yeah. And then we have the, as you mentioned, some of those things that can happen that we hope wouldn't happen. We have individuals moving into a district they never right. have lived in, right? Right. So so this is what yeah. happens when you when you think you you just made a little bit of headway, right. <laughs> somebody comes along and cuts you off, right? Yeah. But yeah. that's why we have to be vigilant. Yeah. I think that being part of local politics more than the national, mm-hmm. uh, you have to be vigilant. And this is something that we have to, unfortunately, we have to say, why, wait a minute, why is this candidate, he or she lived in this area yeah. and now like has an apartment here, you know, that extra ridiculous work that we have to do, keeping people honest. Right. Uh, and so we're going to have to be vigilant. So part of being in local politics is, not only do you want the change that needs to be there, but also that you need to keep an eye on those that want to be, cheat the system. And unfortunately, right. again, we go back to why do you want to run? 
to be yeah. somebody or to do something. Mm-hmm. And that's when we really can differentiate the candidates that are going to get your attention. The candidates are going to be working to get your vote, not right. just putting your name on the ballot, throwing some signs up every single cycle. We have a few candidates. They just, that's all they do. Right. They, never, they never prepare. They, they're right. just about doing something and moving some kind of agenda forward. Right. Right. Uh, so that's really what we're seeing. We're seeing some individuals. I have heard them in forums say, you know, before Valencia, I didn't think this was possible. And that Jody, just, just like, oh. it, it, that's the way it, it means that all the sacrifices, all the attacks, everything, all the tears, all the right. you know, long, long days and nights are worth it because ultimately it's about the fruits of our labor. Mm-hmm. And I can't get over, and I don't know if, if, you know, there's somebody that said, you may never see the, the fruit of your labor in your lifetime, right? A, a good friend of mine, Dolores Huerta, says, you know, change is very, very slow. But oh. I am so privileged, Jody, that mm-hmm. I am seeing the fruits of our labor now. And right. that's what I'm just blown away. So I, I do think that this is a, not only a historic moment for Orange, but for many people in Orange that mm-hmm. finally can see individuals running that they feel may actually be interested in their neighborhoods. Right, right. And I think, you know, you mentioned the school board and I think, um, you know, there there are a lot of people, not just in Orange, but that that when, when there aren't term limits, and I'm always torn on term limits yeah. because I feel like, Ah, if it's a really fair system and you have somebody good, but with low information voters, it can sometimes just be a free pass for incumbents. Exactly. And you can just keep going and say, oh, if they were bad, I would hear about it. <laughs> well, would you? Yeah. Because yeah. you're not going to the meetings and you're not seeing what they're saying. And we have, you know, the loss of local journalism that, you yeah. know, I, it used to be that everyone in my neighborhood would get the Orange County Register, the Los Angeles Times. And, I, you know, th- those those cars are driving a long way before they're throwing a paper out. So when we don't have good coverage of local politics, you can have incumbents who are just known by their name. That's right. And so it's so hard as a challenger to take that on. And for city council, for school board, I think when you're running alone and you feel like, you know, I'm the one putting out the yard signs and I'm the one asking people for money. And, and I think there is, you know, a sense of community when you're running, uh, you know, the, the, the three um, candidates that are running in orange uh, in orange on the school board that are running as a slate. That's right. And, you know, that's kind of exciting to see because they will also work together if they're all elected. Yes on common goals. Um, and so do you, do you see that building in orange as a result of what, what you started in, in April, 2018? I do, you know, um, because I feel that I have heard more progressive platforms now than ever before. Yeah. And I am just blown away of people saying, this is what I believe and I'm going to name it. Right. And so that is huge. Right. Really what these things are about is that Again, we go back to being discouraged to be civically engaged because it doesn't necessarily fit in what we're supposed to be doing. Yeah. We are discouraged but from becoming a politically active because it could cause trouble. Sure. We're discouraged because we're not prepared. We're discouraged because maybe we weren't born here. We're discouraged because you're not from the U.S. or from Orange County or born in here or whatever yeah. it is. So for me to hear 
some individuals who are saying, this is what I believe and I'm mm-hmm. sticking to it. Mm-hmm. The naming of a progressive platform, the idea that the words equity, justice, right, right. ethnic studies, you know, um, making sure we allocate the budget correctly with mm-hmm. what are we going to do with police departments? Are we really reviewing their, their all these all these conversations, mm-hmm. all these topics? I have never heard them before. So right. what I'm seeing is people are feeling like this can be. There's more of there's more critical thinkers in the city of Orange than we thought. There are yeah. more people that are interested really in our students than we thought. There are more people that are interested in really talking about this topic than we thought. So I really think that um, the candidates that are running today are speaking from their heart. Many of them, not all mm-hmm. of them, but sure. some of them are sure. speaking from their heart because they can. That right. because perhaps they too were witness to everything that we endured, but also, but also more important, everything we accomplished. Right. The movement. You see, somebody said, I went to city council that day and I was there to get something about a permit to talk about a permit for my business. I had no idea what was going on. I saw a friend that I recognized and she said, hey, go get an orange resident button from that woman. And she said, and I had no idea I had joined a movement because we have no idea that that day movement was built. So I think that movement, even if these individuals, some one or two were directly involved that are running now too, but even if they were watching. They yeah. were hearing, and they too felt this this burning sensation, the fire in the right. belly. Thing. Something's wrong here, and right. maybe you should step up. So I think that it gave people a reason to say yes. Hmm. Yeah. And and to know that somebody's asking. Yes. Right. To, yeah. We need to step up. So, yes. um, one of my favorite quotes from you that I share all the time is um, that you might not be interested in politics, but politics is interested in you. That's right. And can you just talk a little bit about that? Because I think that is such a compelling message. And I heard that from somebody too, and it always stuck. Um, I I realized that I can sit here and there's days where I'm sure all of us are tapped out and we say, I'm done with this. I don't even care about this anymore. But you see, it doesn't matter. We can tap out. We can stop voting. We can never do anything again. The agendas never ceased. Mm-hmm. So it, whether it be national politics interested in, in a woman's body, whether it be local politics interesting in allocating lights to a neighborhood but not yours, whether it's locally, like what is happening? Why can't I get this, this sidewalk repaired? And my mother mm-hmm. had an accident that, that centered into the ER. Why is in my neighborhood interest? Why isn't it on their agenda? But see, there's always an interest in anything, whether it be where we live or how Mm -hmm. we will conduct ourselves or how many taxes we're going to pay or anything. So regardless of our interest, if people and young people, if you are not interested in politics, you can, you can tap out, but politics will move forward regardless with or without you. So why not get involved and get your voice heard? Yeah. Right. Why not be involved and say, wait a minute, I don't agree with that. So we can't expect the change, um, you know, if we can't expect to contribute in some way. And this is what I'm hoping that classes like yours and even earlier are really teaching students to be civically engaged because we matter in local politics and national politics and local politics even more so because it directly impacts us. 
And right. So this right. Is, we forget, and I didn't realize right. it. Sure. But holy cow, there's a lot of money in local politics, and there's a lot, a lot right. of power, and it impacts you almost overnight. Right. One solution can impact you. Right. One resolution can impact your neighborhood. Right. So we have to really think about this idea that now nah, I'm not political. You know, I don't want to talk about politics. Right. Everything around us is political. Right. Absolutely. Whether you like it or not. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. And uh, I, I was just talking to a couple of students who are really active and I said, you know, what really propelled you? And she said, you know, um, you grow up as a kid and you think like the adults are in charge and, and they know things. And um, my generation doesn't believe that. Yeah. Good. Like, nobody's doing anything about climate change. And, no, you know, we know the facts on all of these things and the, the grownups are not taking care of things. And, and we are going to have to, no one is coming to save us. And I thought, Yes. Wow, we have failed you, but I am so inspired by that because we need that energy and we need that commitment and we need to know, uh, you know, that, that people are watching. That's right. And, and we, we need to all do better. Absolutely. And we can see that most of the young people, I'm going to say this, are much more prepared than many folks sitting in city council today because they have more on the line because right? they have. They have actually called us out and said, whoa, 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 you left us this mess. Right. So I, I, I say to young people, you are brighter, you are, you know, stronger. Right. You, you have it right. And we need to catch up. And so mm -hmm. this idea that, you know, we are waiting for somebody to rescue us. You are the hero we're waiting for, right? Right. I am, you are. And so right. it has always been saving of seats. I said in one of my videos, enough of the savings of seats that that's what happens is this rotating of seeds, saving of seeds. Now right. it's your, now it's my turn with a select few. Right. And that should not be city politics because there's way too many people that are, that are in need of, of equitable representation. And yeah. it's impossible to think that four people currently four people in our city council since 2018 can make decisions uh, for the entire population. When most of the time they're agreeing, that's very dangerous. Right, it's, it's right. On, on any side, right? On any side, you're in trouble. And we're in trouble. Right. We're in trouble. So we need the young people to keep showing up at city council. I love when they drop it there and they talk about climate change and, and yep. your city council is going, huh? Well, yes, right. we unfortunately need to re-educate. We need to educate right. those that are supposed to be experts, if you will. Um, right. So absolutely, it's getting engaged in local politics it's it's not necessarily always pleasant, but it's going to happen regardless if we get involved or not. And so it's better sure. to be part of something than just to be a, a consequence of something. Yeah, a consequence of something. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's next? So what's next? You know, uh, right now I've really focused on on mentoring and helping those that are running for the first time. I think it's an exciting yeah. time. Um, anything that we can do, any knowledge that we can share, we're willing to always uh, speak to anyone that's interested. Mm -hmm. uh, I do check in where I call and say, how's it going? Are you okay? Do you need to yeah. unpack anything? Yeah. Um, and just keeping an eye on things, you know, what is next? What are we going to do? What has uh, maybe some of the candidates are doing things that don't seem quite legal. Uh, maybe our city is breaking some laws. Yeah. So perhaps it is thinking about, um, you know, how can we bring in some justice there? Mm -hmm. um, and also, you know, 
who is next, right? We're looking at 2022, 2024. There are so many people in our communities that are experts. There are right. so many people in our communities that are prepared. So I'm hoping that people keep stepping up and that I can keep finding folks that say, yeah, I want to run too. Um, and that they know that there's a group of people in Orange that are always looking to support, whether right. it's with phone calls, making sure they're okay, with any advice, with right. contacts, you should go there, you should talk to this person, right? So we've built this community. We mm -hmm. built this, this movement, this community, and we build it so we can share it. Right. We build it to house it, put it in a little box and use it when convenient. Right. We build right. it to share it. This is this is not ours. This movement is is the community's movement. So yeah. we really are about saying it was never about that one seed. I don't know if I remember if I said that in your class, but I always said it's never about that one seed. It was about the change we were seeking and that right. change is happening now. And yeah. so we encourage more people to think of themselves in those seats and to be bold enough to say, you're in my seat. Yeah. Yeah. That's I right. love you that. The shoes and say, you're in my seat and, get <laughs> um, and, and, and do it because other people are right. People are, and they're doing it without thinking twice. Right. Right. Good. Oh, thank you. I love this. Um, so I, I ask everybody, all my guests, uh, some questions at the end. And so I want to uh, ask, what's the best advice you've ever gotten? I, I was thinking about that recently. There's so much, and I don't know where this one came from, but it was about um, admitting when you've made a mistake. And, mm. and that, right. And I used to be so afraid when I was younger of making a mistake, whether it be on a piece of paper or whether it be a decision I was just so fearful of making the mistake and it's debilitating and it can prevent you from growing right. and it can prevent you from doing the things that you were meant to do. It can prevent you from greatness. Right. And so this idea that, that making a mistake somehow was going to end something so that, that acknowledging that, you know what, I made a mistake here and I acknowledge it. And this is what I'm willing to do to correct it. Or here's how I'm going to prepare better next time. Mm -hmm. And so for me, it changed my life when I started to acknowledge that that I too will make mistakes, that I'll make mistakes. But yeah. it's sort of recognizing them that says you're developing as an individual, that your critical right. thinking is developing, that right. you're able to say, I get why that was a mistake. And I'm going to try my best not to do it next time. And if mm -hmm. I make a mistake next time, then I'll approach it then. And we keep moving forward. We don't get stuck in that mistake. Right. That's the idea. So I think that's been the most valuable advice. If I heard it from someone, I don't recall, but I remember it. I was working at Heidemann Elementary School in the early 90s. And I remember it because I used to be a health clerk and I didn't want to make a mistake on my list but mm -hmm. I don't know what changed. And then I was able to say, oh, geez, I made a mistake on this number. Yeah, and it's I made so a mistake. Freeing. It's so free. Right. And that's what we need from local leaders. That's what we need from government. That's what we need. Right. Admit when you've made the mistake. Right. Acknowledge it because it's human, but it's also humbling. Yes. Um, so I yes. think that's the best advice I've received. I love that. I love that. So um, what's a book you like to recommend to people? Yeah, that was, that was, and I don't know if a lot of people have read Miss Measure of Man by Stephen oh. Gould, 1980, I think it was 1981, right? He's yeah. a paleontologist. But the reason I think that is so important is because of so many things we're seeing today that have existed, but that they're just more emboldened. This white right. supremacy, this racism, like, oh, that never, the, the idea that people say that never, I, that never existed in my neighborhood. No, no, no. Check this out. 
Right. We'll read Stephen Goldsmith's Measure of Man and look at how systemically that supremacy has been embedded right. even in the measurement of something called intelligence. Right. And that individuals, people of color, like myself, who, by the way, didn't graduate from school and I'm now finishing my PhD, that yeah. somehow a number can measure your worth. Right. And you see, we're seeing that today. We're seeing that more and more today. Who, sure. who deserves to be in this community? Who right. deserves to be in this country? Right. Who is in, currently at the border in a in a cage, right? This idea that somehow people are less than right. somebody's determining that. So when I read Ms. Measure of Man, I remember thinking, wow, this is incredible that that's this supremacy is harming individuals that are the outsiders, right? Right. And so who are the outsiders today? I believe same, right? So so it's the evolution of just more supremacy. I think mm-hmm. that Stephen Gould did a great job with the history of measurement and with something didn't quite pan out with these uh, scientists. Right. They didn't change the, the, right. the research question, right? So yes. it's okay. Yeah. So they measure yeah. individuals from outside, inside, you know, the size of your brain, that it, it is impossible to, to, to win in that situation. So we have to really acknowledge the history that we have around us. We are basically conditioned not to speak of these things. Right. So I think that right. this book should be something that every class uh, really reads along with yeah. the new Jim Crow. Oh, such a good book. So I think those two together, we can really mm-hmm. start to understand how individuals today are conditioned to think that somehow there's supremacy. Right. That you right. are born above. Right. And if we look at the history of this racism, even in this in this section, yes. uh, we really start to to question, right? What right. what are these SATs? What is this intelligence test? Wait a minute, right. what's the GRE? Right. And now we see colleges moving away from that. Right. Uh, so it really is another way, a systemic way of excluding individuals and, and saying that you are less than and likely to end up in jail or likely to yes. you know, never have an education. So um, I think it's important to read pieces like this, talk about pieces like this, and yeah. then bring them to today. How are right. we measuring today, right. whether it's with documents, whether it's with IDs, whether right. it's credit scores, you get right. me? Yes. No, yeah, I absolutely. I get all really. Yeah, no, and I think it's so really crucial to understand that, you know, sometimes I think we have a fear of numbers and a fear of math. And I talk about this when, when we talk about polling of you've got to understand what the polls are supposed to look like. So you can tell when they don't look like that, there you, go. There you, you know, go. you've got to look and say, okay, let's dive into this medical study. There you go. That mm-hmm. doesn't have any women in it. That's right. Well, I wonder if medical research is not going to be really looking at the effects of women if they didn't have any women in their study, exactly. you know, and, and I think it's really excellent that there are doctors of color who mm-hmm. are calling attention preventatively mm-hmm. to the idea of, are we going to be doing tests mm-hmm. on the effectiveness of the Corona virus vaccine mm-hmm. on different subsets that it's right. not just you know white men who are overweight at age 74 <laughs> that it's going to be effective for because we need to get that out you know when, when i tell my students that 
Um, we don't actually know the effectiveness of some birth control on women over 145 pounds yes. because the male researchers don't think that women have sex. Right. There you go. Why would we need that? <laughs> we don't test it with That's the right. cross reference of, you know, whether or not it's effective with uh, antidepressants because the male doctors just assume that no one will need that. That's right. We need, we need everyone in all of these roles, telling stories in Hollywood, sitting at city council races in, you know, scientific research labs, we need representation everywhere. Because if you don't understand who's missing, you don't see it. There you go. That's right. You don't understand who's missing, you you don't see it. And, and we talk about sexism, racism, right? These are all embedded in this idea of measurement. Yes. That somehow you are less than because of your gender or less right. than because of who you love or right. less than because of where you come from or less than because of the zip code you live in or less than yes. because of your credit score. Listen, it's today. If yes. you don't see me, go back and read Miss Measure of Man. Check yeah. out what was happening then and then translate it to 2020. And tell me if it doesn't sound eerie. Right. We haven't really moved far we have right. just evolved on how it looks. Yeah, I love it. I'm going to have to reread it. I haven't read it in it's, years. It's, it's, it's really a, a good I got to go. I got to pick it up again because it's been years. So, so um, you've already kind of shared some hopeful messages, but um, what's a hopeful message you can give to our listeners? There's so yeah. much stress and anxiety right now. And, and I'm feeling it and, and everyone must be feeling it. On top of everything, you know, this COVID, we're going to be reading about this, right? We're going to be talking to our, or either if you're married, your grandchildren, this is a historic moment, not just yeah. because of this, you know, pandemic, but because we have so many things going on locally all the way to the White House. And all of a sudden right. we are super hyper-focused and we happen to be home most of the time. So we're, right. we're on 24 seven. So my message is don't lose hope. My message is when you think that it doesn't matter, reframe it mm. and say, it matters to me. Yeah. When you think in the long scheme of things, my vote doesn't matter. Reframe it and say it matters to me because yeah. I was filling out my vote, my ballot today. And I got to, I couldn't believe it. I got to vote for seven people. I know <gasps> and two and two of them, one, two, three, that I am just so proud of. Yeah. And that means my vote mattered. Right. right. And so I know that sometimes we're so detached from the process, but our vote does matter. Our right. work does matter. Our thoughts and our ideas do matter. Right. So it's it's the idea that where do we use these ideas? Where do we use? Where do I use my energy? Mm-hmm. Find someone or something or an yeah. organization and tap in because we mm-hmm. need each other. We need we each need other. Each so other. When we start to feel like things are just too much, mm-hmm. it's about reframing, reframing yeah. and saving me. Because if it yeah. doesn't matter to you then what's your motivation, right? Right. We have to do it. It does matter to me. When I'm voting, uh, my assembly, it matters to me. When I'm voting senator, it matters to me. When I'm city council, it matters to me. When I'm voting school board, it matters to me. So that's Mm -hmm. why I vote. Not Mm -hmm. because I'm trying to somehow, you know, just get it done, but because I feel feel deeply connected to that process. Um, And knowing that we matter knowing that we matter. So don't feel discouraged. 
uh, but allow yourself to feel what you will and then move forward. Don't get stuck. Don't get and stuck. And if you make right. mistakes, remember, <laughs> if you make mistakes, it's all right. It's yeah. All right. 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 Don't get stuck. That's the one thing that I would say, don't ever get stuck. Yeah. And if you need somebody to help you get unstuck, you call me. <laughs> I love that. Yeah. And I think that that's, I think that's one of the reasons I love local politics so much is because your vote is worth so much more. You know, it's, it's not millions where you're one little tiny vote in a sea of millions and millions of votes. It's, and, and absolutely your vote matters on national, but um, it really can make the difference between who wins and loses and elections have consequences. Yeah. Absolutely. So finally, who should we talk to next? I'm looking for recommendations. Yeah. You know, I would uh, highly encourage you talking to school board uh, candidate Anna Page. Uh, oh, part, wonderful. Yeah. Sorry about her, but I'll let her uh, share it with you. But I yeah. really feel She's that. a good friend Anna of Page, Fullerton College. So, yeah. There you go. So I would definitely talk to Anna Page because she nice. represents our future. She represents yes. our community. She represents what we want to see in these positions. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of wonderful candidates, but Anna Page uh, is so symbolic of so many things that we need to see locally and nationally. So I would say that, um, that Anna Page would be my choice. I love it. I love it. Good. Thank you so much. Thank you for joining me.